and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller for the next couple of hours to talk sports with you. Thanks for tuning in here this morning. Here's what's coming up. Uh, we are on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. We are going to recap Iowa State and Iowa's press conferences from yesterday. We'll do so with Dave Sproul coming up uh, from KASI, 14.30 a.m. and part of the Learfield broadcast. He'll join us at 10.30. David Eicholt from uh, 24-7 Sports will be here, Hawkeye Insider. He'll join us at 11.05. And then with today being Wednesday... Wednesdays are for Mitch Holtis during the NFL season. He'll join us at 11.30 as the Kansas City Chiefs head out on the road to take on the winless Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so we'll talk to Mitch about that. Good morning, TC. How are you? I'm not too bad. How about yourself? Doing fine. Yeah. Uh, Spring in my step as we move into Wednesday here today. Uh, so a couple of things. I just realized this. I just saw a tweet. Today's Missouri Valley Conference Media basketball days. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I actually. September. I was uh, texting yesterday with Layman. Oh, he's there? about that. Yeah, he's down there and getting ready for the start of the season. Said, we'll get you on soon. Probably not not quite yet. (laughs) Just a tad early. Just a tad early. What do you think the justification is, though, putting it this early? I have no idea. Late October, sure. Right. September. I, I don't get it. Yeah, we're football crazy. If they're trying to get a jump on things, I don't, you know, get, get, give them a you know pat on the back for trying something different. Right. But we're going to talk football here today, and that's the extent of the media days in St. Louis for the Val. Not look, we like the conference. We love the conference. You we pay very close attention to it because I think it's going to be a special year on Forest Avenue this year. Mm-hmm. We shall see. But uh, lots of ground to cover before we get to that point. We've got an NFL game coming up tomorrow. Have you looked at the slate of games this week in advance? I have a little bit, yeah. I started doing a little bit of work last night. Uh, there were three college games that I fired at early in the week and one NFL game. Which uh, NFL game, if you if you can recall? It was Baltimore at New England. Watched a little bit of the New England-Pittsburgh game. That picture seems not very good. No, they're they're good defensively. I, I shouldn't say they're not good. They're good defensively. They're really struggling offensively. They're the third best team in that division, I think. I think it's Miami. Are you sure they're third, not fourth? Well, maybe, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something if the Jets leapfrogged them? And, and, and I mean, it's not going to matter. They didn't want them to go in the playoffs. But the Patriots and Bill Belichick finishing last. A nice 5-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. Geesh. Does he walk away at that point? I don't think so. I don't think so either. No. One thing, he wants to stay longer than Brady, and I'm convinced Brady will walk away. But, uh, yeah, I jumped so out. What was the number? Three. A flat three. There mm-hmm. were some three and a halfs out there. I found a flat three, so I jumped on that. Uh, right away with Baltimore. I think you're going to get the bounce back of Baltimore. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Lamar, it's lost because of the way the game obviously finished he up. He was unbelievable, Trent, and I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. Nobody's talking about that. There was one three and out, but even at that point, they're still at 14. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, he had three and out. You're going to kill him for that. Mm-mm. See Lamar, that touchdown run? He's playing at a high, high yeah. level. He's throwing the ball well, and he's got some dudes now. He's got a weird release, but you know what? It's effective. It, it absolutely is. And for is. the most part, it's pretty accurate. So, Rashad Bateman, of course, we remember from Gifted. Minnesota. And that, that incredible season that they had up there in 2019. Mm-hmm. And just I thought he was going to be a star. 
hasn't clicked yet. I still think he's going to be a star. He's going to be good. Uh-huh. At the very least. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be out there. He was a, dra- a fantasy draft sleeper this he year. He was, absolutely. You know, Duvernay, he's a guy uh-huh. that could definitely make plays. Now, he's dealing with a concussion, which is a little worrisome. Well, he, didn't he score? Didn't he open the game with a touchdown? I think, I think early, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, it was early return the return a kick. Yeah. I think it was... And then he got Andrews. I mean, th- this offense... They Andrews is one of the most underrated tight ends because there's just really good ones in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's clearly in every conversation is amongst the best in the game. I agree. It was just such a weird game that if this Ravens team was 2-0, and I think this thing would be more 4.5, 5. Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't have had the collapse there. What's, Still happened. What's the game you're most looking forward to? Is there one game that just jumps off? I mean, Green Bay-Tampa, I get. Mm-hmm. I think it's that. Speaking of the AFC East, I think that's the game you got to watch: Buffalo and Miami. Is Miami? Is Miami a, ready? Well, that's the measuring stick. That's yeah. what this game is all about: to see if they are ready. Because teams that we thought were ready for Buffalo have been uh, a complete wake-up call because they are blowing teams out, and they're not playing perfect. By no, any means. but the thing is, it's a short week. That's a good point, uh-huh. and maybe that's just the little bit of nudge to make and this it's thing. It's going to be upper eighties. The humidity is going to be through mm-hmm. the roof, and this is a air quote cold weather uh, team that's going into Miami. Not that they don't do it every year; they do. Um, but you have to factor into the conditions. I think this one might be tight. So, have you settled in on your survivor play this week? So, Vikings is what I had circled early. And the Vikings are hosting whom? The Lions. Now it's a divisional matchup. Detroit's better. Still bad defensively. Uh-huh. It's at U.S. Bank. Another short week. Speaking of short weeks, the Vikings coming off a short week. The they were embarrassed. spread has come down. It was a touchdown. Now it's down to six. Mm-hmm. So we have some line movement there. That's where I zeroed in at this point for Survivor. How about you guys? Do you know where you're heading? We have two, I think, that we're leaning towards. Kansas City at Indy. I know. Indy's winless. Uh, Indy has been awful. Chiefs. Pretty good. Yeah. And another road team, the Bengals. I can't see them falling to 0-3. They take on the Jets uh-huh. in New York. Well, New Jersey. Uh, but those are the two that we're kind of leaning towards. Both road teams. I don't know. It's a tough. These next two weeks are incredible. They are, this yeah. This contest we're talking about, Survivor at Circa, and there's already a th- there's there was 6,000 entries, roughly. Mm-hmm. There's 2,000 left after two weeks. Two-thirds of the people... That wrote their uh, brought their thousand dollars to sign up. They're out. It's remarkable. That was the one thing that I was most worried about. Is just being because I only did one yeah. entry. Yeah, I just wanted to. I want to get through September, right? And get that hope badge of honor with right. one to get through there. Hey, I've beat two thirds of the field. You have. You don't get anything for that. No, there is only. Well, you have to get to the end to be a champion. Mm-hmm. Even with the goofy rules and the twenty weeks with so many people in it, this thing's not going to end in week eighteen. The, uh, the consensus is it's going to end before that. <laughs> That's what Palm thinks. Mike Palm thinks that we are, will not get to this point. I, I don't think so. It's just ultimately the luck of the draw, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have look at some of the entries that go into. I mean, some of the teams that people pick and people are picking the Bears last week. I, I saw one entry had that. It just there's going to be some goofiness. Well, how about and the randomness. 27 people last week that forgot to submit their pick. Well, and week one was 21. Yes, that. I think you can understand a little bit more. Either you signed up a while ago. Or you got too much damn money and you don't care. Right. Signed up a while ago. Maybe you got a shady proxy. Something happened. You can understand week one. Week two, what are you doing? Right. 
Unbelievable. Anyways, let's get to baseball from last night. Boy, um, I know you don't. I was going to say you feel for White Sox fans. Nope, not at all. No, I know you don't. But it, they kind of uh, kind of got a Twins feel because it felt like the Twins season ended this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the White Sox season, man, the curtain's not completely down, but it's starting to fall, Trent. If they have any hope, or do they? Do they have a hope? Is there hope there for the White Sox, or did it end in the 11th inning last night at guaranteed rate? It's over. It feels like it does. They had to win. They got Cease on the bump. Mm-hmm. They got their guy who didn't have great stuff last night. You got a 3-1 lead. Through. That's just it. They had a three one nothing lead, didn't? No, that was three one. You're right, three one. Because did you see how they scored the first run of the game? No. Pollock fell on his face oh, in left field, and they scored it a triple. Now it would have been a single, mm-hmm. but literally uh, he tripped over his over his right foot. And um, anyways, that's how they got their first run. Watched uh, was locked in in the sixth inning as the White Sox are making that run. You could see how into it the fan base was. Oh, I it was thought really wild. It was a good environment uh-huh. for a game. It had that playoff baseball feel to it. it. And then the bullpen again. Mm-hmm. Remember how good we thought this bullpen bullpen mm-hmm. had a chance to be coming mm-hmm. into the year? What a huge disappointment that's been. I know the White Sox have had injuries, and they've had their own set of issues because of that this year, and La Russa and everything that's gone around with uh, with him. But this bullpen has been one of the more disappointing units, I guess you'd have to say. I think that's baseball. fair. I think it's fair. Uh, Josh Harrison, did you see either of his two plays defensively yeah. last night? Oh, my God. I'm not sure which one was better. I mean, the highlight reel is him diving through the air mm-hmm. into shallow right field to uh, um, to, to catch a baseball. There was that one camera angle that was just Just incredible. remarkable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, boy, he made some plays last night. Good series. Was pulling for the White Sox. Wanted to see them get there because it looks as though there's only going to be now one of the regional air court regional teams that make it to postseason. Yeah, we don't we don't count Cleveland. No, we can't count Cleveland. No. We can barely count the White Sox, but because yeah. they're in Chicago <laughs> and Milwaukee is a tough one too. Uh huh. Those ones are down it's the second order a little it's bit a more. Stretch. And we'll see. Milwaukee's still with an outside chance. So, of so not growing up here, I yep. think I know the answer to this. But why are it's probably WGN, right? I probably stop oh, myself right yes. now. Why are there so many more Cubs fans as opposed to White Sox? It's WGN. That's a huge part of it. I think it's also and not living in Chicago. I don't know. It's interesting because I, I guess I don't have the Chicago background. We, we Were should... the Cubs games on here forever? Yeah. On the radio as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they've, they've been on radio for a long time. Well, they've been on radio since I moved here in 89, yeah. but I'm wondering way back. Oh, yeah, I, I believe so. I think yeah. they've been a part here for, for a super long time, too. So that's a huge part of it. I told you before, the Twins used to be on WHO. Uh-huh. And that's why yeah. you have a pretty good pocket of mostly older Twins fans here in this market. But going back to the 60s and 70s, they were on WHO for a lot wonder, of those years. I wonder what happened in that relationship. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe w- the tw- Well, the Twins were so bad during the 80s until 87. Mm. And throughout most of the 70s, uh-huh. too, maybe it was just that. So did, did HO, I guess we could ask somebody in the building yeah. since they are down the hall. Right. <laughs> uh, did they, did they um, I don't relegate know, but, them because they wanted a, air quote, a better team? Well, and or I don't did know, they ca- carry baseball? Or maybe they just completely went away from I baseball. think that's probably the case. Yeah, they said maybe it doesn't make sense uh-huh. with the changing world and what we're doing. That very well could be the case. But it's so interesting the way that fan bases are. Well, you see it with the Braves. There's no reason anybody should be a Braves fan here. No. TBS. Right. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. And for people in my generation, not only the Braves, but the Braves becoming good then all of a sudden, they were so bad leading up until that run in 1991. It would just... Now flip it on and watch some awful baseball. Oh, and they were terrible. They were, brutal. but they had they had young guys, and you and 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 I particularly remember one. He was a hockey player. 
from Massachusetts, <laughs> and he got his teeth kicked in every time he took them out. Tom Glavin. Uh-huh. But you could just see the progression of his career starting to turn around, and then they are what they are. So looking at the White Sox mathematically, what you have to do. Let's say they do get the last two games of the series. That gets them within three. Mm-hmm. With 10 to go. Mm-hmm. At least the Cleveland will have 10 to go at that point. Six of which are against the Royals. Yeah, Cleveland remaining. This is what they have. You mentioned the Royals, so it's the Ray. Uh, excuse me, the Rangers on the road for three. Yeah, three for the Rays, and then that six. Where are the Rays? Up. Are the Rays in Cleveland? That's too? at home, and then six at home against the Royals. Oh, they, they're Trent. If they go five hundred, I would be surprised. And because I think they'll be better than five hundred. So to catch them in the standings, that means the White Sox would have to go eight and two. Hmm. But actually, they have to be better than that because Cleveland has the tiebreaker. Right. There is no game 163 this year. Which, doesn't that stink? Yeah, but it's it goes back to us starting, us, uh, the Major League Baseball starting the season late. Is that forever, though? Or is that just a... I hope not, Trent. I hope There's not. There's so many memorable moments in game 163. It's a special day, right? It Monday is. or Tuesday after the regular mm-hmm. season ends on Sunday. Now it ends on Wednesday this year because of the um, the lost weekend uh, back in the labor negotiations. Um yeah, I'm with you. There, there's some mem- those are some memorable nights. Mm-hmm. Really are. Um, and for that to go away, that's... yeah, you want that back, right? Mm-hmm. You do want it back. So Cleveland would have to go if they go 500. And the White Sox actually, I believe, they have... got to win. <laughs> Who's the White Sox? What are the White Sox? Have? I know there's a bunch against the Twins, which will help because that team has packed it in. It's over for them. And our bet. Over 78 and a half. It's not looking good. We're in trouble. And I thought it was home free. Here's what they've got. They've got, uh, well, we know about uh, Cleveland the next two. Mm-hmm. And then they host Detroit for three. Okay. The, they go to Minneapolis for three. Mm-hmm. San Diego on the road for three before coming home to face the Twins. So they have 12 games remaining <clears throat> as opposed to the 10 remaining for Cleveland. 10 and two. And, and the 500 gets you in. I can't see it. I can't either. I think the Twins will find a way to win a couple of games. What do you think, think the betting odds are right now? I mean, you're laying... To what? To win the to win the Central? To win the division. Oh, it's got to be huge. You would think Massive. so, Massive. Right? We'll see if it's available right now, if they've updated it. Here we go. Divisions. This is at Circa right now to win the American League Central. You can get the White Sox at 12-1. to 1, mm. Or the no, minus 2,000. Meaning, mm. bet at 2,000 to win 100 bucks. No, yeah. thanks. I'm good. How about the Twins at 600 to 1? Is they 600 to 1? Trent, this last Friday, they were still, they had a pulse. They had a pulse. If you're going to bet the Guardians, you have to lay minus 2,000. The no is 12 to 1. So basically the inverse of what the White Sox are. So of the three seeds in the National League and in the American League, mm-hmm. because St. Louis is going to hold that distinction in the National League, do you which of those two do you like better? Which of the the, the two three seeds, Cleveland uh-huh. or St. Lou, has a chance to go further in their respective uh, league? I, I there's something about this Cleveland team that I just wonder. They'll get the Yankees. Judge has been a great story. Oh, and it was again last night. But this has been a very <clears throat> average team for a very long time now, and those great stories of the first half have have not continued mm-hmm. in the same fashion. That's true. The easy answer is is St. Louis, right? Maybe it's we've seen it before, but mm-hmm. they're just something tricky. I I have a if Cleveland gets past the wild card round against the six seed, I have a sneaking suspicion that I'm going to put a couple of bucks on them. I thought to the win same the thing last night. What uh, what are to win the World Series or win the American League? To win well to win the division, the series against okay. the Yankees. 
which they'll probably be about plus 180, mm-hmm. maybe two to one, something like that. I'll probably take a stab at that. Well, speaking of that, to win the pennant, let's go American League pennant winners here from Circa. Houston has to be favored. Uh, they have it listed, uh, not alphabetically, plus 145 for the Astros to win the American League. The Yankees plus 250 are the second choice. Uh, you can get the Mariners at plus 850. I'd like to be that double digits yeah. before I start to dabble into that one. Guardians plus 1550. Mm, worth the stab, maybe. White Sox 85 to 1. They get in. It's all they have to do, Trent, is get in. They're not getting in. The so. Rays are also plus 850. So that's what you have to win to get to the World Series, win the American League. You did mention Toronto. Uh, Toronto. They are plus 685. Got a chance. I got a future ticket on them, I think, at 8-1 to one to win the American League in a World mm-hmm. Series at like 14-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Don't need to dabble anymore. I don't think you do. Um, they got a chance. They got, a, as, as we know, they got an incredibly strong lineup. All right, uh, over in the National League, mm-hmm. uh, there's really, I mean, what's left in the National League? Fighting for that wild card spot, right? Uh, well, I, I guess. but uh, it, it's, Two and a half back right now are the Brew Crew. And they had, that's a bad loss for them yesterday that was. because they had the Mets on the ropes. And the Phillies are going the wrong way. They've lost five in a row. My overbet of 83 and a half I'm nervous about suddenly with the Phillies. Well, they're at 80, so you should. Should scream. be, but you got to win games. Mm-hmm. They've lost five mm-hmm. in a row. Uh, and the Padres are a game and a half up of the Phillies for the uh, other wild Yeah, Padres slider. are getting in. Yeah, I think they're they're in really good shape there. So I guess that's a little bit of the intrigue, but we don't have any series that are going to... No. Are we going to go the final weekend with everything wrapped up? Uh, maybe Mets Braves to determine the East. That, that's true. Yep, that's a, that's a good one. And what, currently a game? Uh, a game, game and a half. Okay, Let me... let's see here. It, Mets are up a game. Game, yes. Yeah. Yep. Full game in the standings, mm-hmm. though the Mets have played two more games, so they are tied in the loss column. That's that's the race. I ask you this every year when we're talking about the pennants. We hear it all the time. The all-important loss column. Hmm. Why is the loss column more important than the win column? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is there something mathematically? No, no. Because the game's a game, right? You're right. going to win or you're going to lose it. But they do talk about the loss column. What, what, can Maybe somebody it's just a better measuring stick. I, I don't know the answer, but that's... It's it's funny you mention that. I never ever thought about that because that's been said forever. The all important loss. I started following the game. Well, that just means the other team's got more games. Yeah, they have a game or two Mm -hmm. games or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and they could still win those games. Mm -hmm. Why isn't it the all important win column? Yeah, fair question. Uh, real quick, uh, from the press conferences yesterday, we're going to mm-hmm. talk to Dave Sproul here in 10 minutes. Uh, David Eichel will kick off the second hour on the Hawkeyes. What's going on with Keegan Johnson? Something's up here. Hurt again. Yeah, is it? You wonder. Right? There's a lot of questions here. Didn't practice since going back to bull prep. Mm-hmm. Didn't go through spring practice. Mm-hmm. We had the fake picture in August of him mm-hmm. practicing when he wasn't really practicing. Hamstring injuries are finicky, I get Yeah, that. I'm with you. Got in early in the game for the, until the first delay. We heard rumblings about possibility of a sports hernia or something mm-hmm. abdominally. Okay, he's had injuries. This is just odd. And did you hear, did you read through the transcript? This, uh, I think this is going to give you a little peek into exactly that there might be something else going on. It was, I believe, the first question. For, uh, that Ference was had to answer? Yes, I think it was the first one of the day. Let me go back and find the transcript. Here it is. So, yeah, he goes through with his opening statements. Yeah, first question. What's the latest on Keegan Johnson? Saw him in action, but didn't see him on the depth chart. Kirk says, yeah, we pulled him out somewhere around the 34th, 35th play. It's a nagging injury, and there's nothing to say right now. We'll take it a day at a time. 
follow-up? Is he available for Saturday? I don't think so. He hasn't practiced yet this week, so we'll see. It's just day-to-day. Very short, mm-hmm. very concise. Mm-hmm. Kirk didn't want to say much. Nope. What do we read into that? Is this, the rumblings have been that Keegan, they believe he can practice. And Keegan doesn't believe he can practice? Boy, that's that's a slippery slope right there. You cannot get into a kid's head like that. Right. That is at least some of the rumblings that have been out there. I don't know the validity of them, mm-hmm. but that's something, at least on the surface, would make sense. Though. Well, it couldn't be that he's disappointed because he had every opportunity <laughs> to transfer. Right, exactly. He had a full summer. Right. He saw Charlie Jones do it yes. after spring practice. So it's not that, you wouldn't think. And hearing his roommates and his teammates and talk about it, he wants to be out there. But if he's not confident in that hamstring and being able to push off and make cuts and those kind of things, because he he didn't look great, I didn't think, on Saturday night, even when he was out there. He looked a little tentative. He didn't look like certainly the Keegan Johnson we mm-hmm. saw a year ago. That would make sense, that he's not confident enough right now health-wise to give it a full go. The coaches say, hey, trainers say you're okay. You know, our medical staff says you're okay. we got to go. you got to practice. Can't just go out there on Saturday. You wonder if that's what it is. Again, this is all speculation, nothing definitive, but that, at least in my mind, would make the most sense. Yeah, but if the kid says, you know, I'm not there, it's I'm, it's tough, I'm not, right? I'm not 100%. I'm mm-hmm. not anywhere close to being that. I don't feel like I'm football ready. Right. Uh, you know, since we're talking injuries, i got to give Matt Campbell credit. Oh, yeah? Because he has been, up until this point, as guarded as any coach, I'll change the word, as paranoid as any coach has been Mm -hmm. uh, that we can recall here. But he's kind of shown a little transparency this year. Yeah. When it comes to these injuries. More than normal, certainly. Way more than normal. Not even close. This is a new leaf for crying out loud. I mean, Mm -hmm. he, he declared Darren Wilson out, but has said that Frailer and Stanley are both going to play. Um, you know, we've, we've heard the, um, Remsburg, the the day to day type of thing, but he might get in. Campbell is at least giving us a little bit right. of what's going on as far as the walk. I don't need to know what it is. You know, I don't. No, yeah. What's the chance he's going to just don't fib? That's you know, just offer a little bit of transparency. If you don't say it's his leg, don't say it's his leg or his shoulder, or whatever. But if he's out, tell us he's out. Right. If he's questionable, we heard about the injury report with the I mean, around is not five years ago now. Yes, at Big Ten Media Day. Yeah. Um, Aranda's not sitting in Waco just, just waiting on pins and needles for the announcement. Nobody is. Yeah. But he said that Darren Wilson's not available this He's not going to play. Is that as, I mean, compact of a statement we've heard on an injury in seven years from of Matt him? Campbell? Yeah. From him. I think it's great. Look, they've got the Cyclone Television Network. Show the spring game. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Show something. Uh, anyways. But he, what a huge step forward. Having not just Cartavius Norton, who oh, we, we both really I can't think wait has to a see chance. this kid play. But Jay Remsburg is going to be available, yep. it looks like, this week. Mm-hmm. And what a big step forward. Triber has improved yep. from where he was week one to what we saw last week. But he week. wasn't going to start had, had Remsburg right. been available. And now you have that flexibility, uh-huh. you a little can, depth. And the other thing with Triber and the improvements we've seen out of him is you don't have to say, Remsburg, all right, you got to play 75 snaps this week. Precisely. You can play 35. Yep. We're going to give you three series and a half, whatever it turns out to be. And he can kind of come up with a game plan to ease him back into action. And if you see right away also that you he doesn't have it, he's not quite ready, right. go like right back to Triber. And with confidence. Absolutely. Because he, did you not say he graded out very well? Yeah, I think he was first or second out of the offensive line last uh, week. And, oh, this just in. They were going up against a pretty salty defense last, uh, last week um, or two weeks ago. 
He's had some. Um, he's been indoctrinated to that mm-hmm. offensive line. I think he's held his own. But you're right. I mean, uh, Remsburg is going to be the guy. All right, Dave Sproul's going to be the guy to talk more about this Iowa State Baylor matchup that's coming up this weekend. Boy, this feels like a big spot, doesn't it? It's a huge. It spot. really does. Feels like. Um, as we've both speculated, the Big 12 is going to be such a crapshoot. There's going to be so much parity, we think, until we saw Oklahoma just open up a can on Nebraska. If Iowa State wins this game to go to 4-0, obviously eight games remaining on the schedule, I put the win total the rest of the season, then the remaining eight games of the year. Hang on, let me get in front of me. All right. Let me get in front of me here. For the listeners, it's at Kansas. All right. Kansas State. Tougher than you think. Yeah, absolutely. K-State at Texas. By the way, K-State gets Oklahoma this weekend. They Prime do. time in Norman, correct? Is that where it I is? I think it is, yeah. yes. I think K-State's got a little something. That's one of the uh, early bets I made this week. I think they're going to bounce back in a big-time way. At Texas, by week before Oklahoma, mm-hmm. home for West Virginia, at Okie State, Texas Tech, TCU. If I put the over-under at four and a half, in those remaining eight games, where would you be? A 4-0 Iowa State team. Well, I think they're going to win. I think they'll beat West Virginia at home. Mm-hmm. I believe they'll beat Texas Tech at home. Mm-hmm. TCU, okay, I'll give them that one. Yep. So then can I find two more if I want the over? At Oklahoma State, home to Oklahoma, K-State, Kansas, working backwards. <sighs> yeah. I think, I think they go I over. I think so too. There's, How about this? Well, what, and what does that do if indeed that is the case? What you get to nine and three? What is it, does that get you to Dallas nine and three? I think it does. I think you get a rematch with Oklahoma. I think you're going to be or certain, Oklahoma State. If, if nothing else, we're going to be trying to pull our hair out and figure out the tiebreakers. You got that thing ready to go? <laughs> well, we'll soon. Uh, yeah, they look at uh, good for them. The, the guys that they've developed mm-hmm. uh, to replace that talent that uh, graduated, number of them to the NFL. Brock Purdy's number two on the depth chart, by the way. Yeah. Brock Purdy. I've been waiting for what veteran's going to be signed. Well, and they had a bunch of them in yesterday, a mm-hmm. bunch of no-names. What's the what's the bald kid that was uh, – I played at Oregon State. Uh, Mike Lennon. Oh, jeez. Mike Lennon's the most um, – I was going to say decorated <laughs> – because he's at least he's had some starts in the league. Isn't Mike Lennon Virginia Tech? Yes, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, but he's bald and he's six something, and he's, and he's got the longest around. neck in the league. Yes, um, but he's the most decorated of the guys they had in yesterday, and there was like a half a dozen of them. Yeah, just roll with Purdy if that's going to be I the think case. It, I think you do. I, I was I would have lost a big bet there. I didn't think he'd ever throw a pass in the NFL. He hasn't yet. But he's certainly trending in that direction, man. Good for him. Helmet comes off. Trot in there, Brock. Uh, We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Dave Sproul will join us on Iowa State. We'll take a look at Iowa State and Baylor. Uh, And then in the 11 o'clock hour, we'll do likewise with David Eichholz, who covers the Hawkeyes, Kirk Ferentz, and his uh, numerous players met yesterday with the media. And then Mitch Holtis on the Colts and the Chiefs. He's coming up at 11.30, Transplay of the Day, Circus Sports Sponsors. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.800. That's all. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. By 10.35 on a Wednesday, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. We take you up until noon. David Eicholt on Iowa. He'll recap their press conference from uh, yesterday, players and uh, Kirk Ferentz. And then uh, Mitch Holt is the voice of the Chiefs at 11.30. Dave Sproul was in Ames yesterday. Well, he's always in Ames. Well, not always. He's there a lot. Yeah, sometimes it's Marshalltown or Waterloo. Right, he moves or, around yeah. Friday nights. Or, or Dodge. He's headed on the road with the clones and the football team. But you get my point. And he was at the football complex yesterday when Matt Campbell uh, met the meet as well as uh, a number of players. Hello, Dave Sproul. How are you? Oh, I better click this, Dave Sproul. Hang on. How are you, Dave Sproul? What? <laughs> good to hear from you guys. Uh, yeah, I think pretty much always in Ames is, is kind of a good way to describe my life. That's all right. Indeed it is. Absolutely. So what did you learn yesterday? I'm learning more and more about Matt Campbell uh, kind of turning over a new leaf when it comes to at least giving you a glimpse of what's going on health-wise with the team. Uh, I mean, I don't need to know what, what the injury is. You want to say lower body or upper body, that, that's fine. But um, I, look, I, I think there needs to be more in transfer, not just from him, by the way, throughout college athletics, because after all, you're betting on these games legally now, and I wish there was more transparency. And Campbell seems to be, and I don't think he's betting this behind, I'm not insinuating that it is, but it seems like he's more willing to at least give you a little bit of a glimpse into what's going on. Yeah, I, I was a little bit taken aback uh, at the end of the uh, news conference yesterday when he was asked about injuries, and he was pretty forthright about uh, about who's going to play and who won't. Uh, Darren Wilson, not going to play Saturday. Uh, but Dimitri Stanley is going to be back, and it looks like Jake Remsburg and Cartavius Norton and Bo Freeler are all going to be back, and that's uh, obviously good news for the Cyclones. And I don't know if this is a new leaf, if this is something that uh, we could expect uh, from Matt Campbell uh, in the future um, when it comes to you know being uh, a little more forthright about injuries, but I certainly appreciate it. A season ago, Baylor, of course, goes on to win the Big 12 championship, but that was a game that feels like they let slip away. Mm-hmm. And the, the first half of that game, the adjustments were great, as they usually are under Haycock, but the first half of that one, it, it was such an interesting game. Payback, maybe it's overrated, I don't know, but it just looking back at that game a season ago, it felt like they should have won that football game down in Waco. Well, it, was, it kind of set the template for a lot of road games last yeah. year, it felt like. Baylor, Texas Tech, uh, West Virginia all kind of played out the same way, where Iowa State got down early, fought back into it in the second half. The, the defense, you know, really clamped down in the second half, as they seem to always do. And then the offense figured something out in the second half and got back into the game, uh, but came up short at the end. And that's the thing you need to avoid when you are or want to be a Big 12 contender, is you need to be the team that gets out in front early, and uh, and controls the, the pace of the game and the flow and all that. Of course, they didn't do that against Iowa, but that's a whole different that, – that, that series is its own thing, so we won't transpose that into the future. But, you know, if, if you want to win games, you got to get out to good starts, especially against good teams, and Baylor's a really good team. And, uh, you know, I was watching their game from last week with Texas State, which I don't know how instructive it really is, but mm-hmm. I was impressed with the way Blake Shapin throws yep. the ball and it's – 
not no wonder they named him starter back in the spring, and they got some good running backs, and they got some tough guys on defense. So it's going to be a really good matchup this Saturday. It is, and one of those running backs, I believe, is a true freshman in Reese, who is really tearing up the league uh, so far and opening eyes uh, in in his first opportunity. So the quarterback's not going to move around, right, Dave? I mean, Shapen is a is a kind of a pocket passer. You don't expect him to be, you know, a guy that you got to put a spy on because you know you know at any minute he can you know tuck the ball and and go pick up the first down that's not the way he plays the game uh when uh, when Campbell was asked about this Baylor team what were a couple of the uh areas that he lighted highlighted as far as uh, what the Bears are doing uh the first thing he mentioned was speed uh from sideline to sideline basically at every position he's impressed with, with speed overall and I gotta tell you I I think Shapin can run he showed some wheels he had a really nice he had a long touchdown run on a really nice play they'd been hammering you the, the running back you mentioned, Reese, and he had a big game, and they ran his own read, and, and Shapin stuck it in his gut and pulled it out, fooled everybody, the cameraman, the announcers, the whole stadium, basically, and had a free lane. And then once he got that lane, he was he, he really jetted down the, the, the field, and so he, he didn't obviously run a lot, but if he gets out in the space, he could, he could probably hurt you a little bit. And they got guys, you know, in the backfield. Reese had the big game against Texas State, but they also have, you know, Craig Williams, they mm-hmm. call him Squirrel. Uh, they got Tate McWilliams, uh, who I don't believe played, and I'm not sure what his status is uh, going into this week for Baylor, but uh, they got some options there running back, and I think that's going to be the primary, you know, offensive thrust for them is, is just pound it home with that running game and then set up some play-action passes and get the ball downfield with Shapin's arm. That offensive line is really good. Returned a lot from a season ago, and they're playing at a high level. Uh, three of their top five offensive players right now from Pro Football Focus are along that offensive line. It's going to be certainly the most stern test for a lot of these newbies up front along that mm-hmm. front six, front seven for Iowa State. How ready to go do you think they are? Going up probably pretty big step up in competition here, that offensive front from Baylor. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're they're going to be ready on that defensive line for uh, Iowa State. I mean, we got Will McDonald there. Look at his chops and trying to get to that Big 12 career sack record. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's going to be bringing it. MJ Anderson has really emerged to transfer from Minnesota, uh, who uh, had a really nice game last week against Ohio. And uh, we've seen some good th- stuff out of Isaiah Lee. And, you know, you have some depth there with the freshman and Dominique Orange and, and Howard Brown. So uh, Iowa State's uh, got some dudes up there and, and – it's just the nature of being in alignment, whether you're on the offensive or defensive line. These guys, more than most, I think, even tend to uh, embrace that challenge of, of trying to be the more physical, stronger player than the guy across from you. And it makes for a really uh, fun matchup. So non-conference season is behind us. They got through it unscathed. Where are they better than you thought they were going to be? I mean, maybe the easy answer is offensive line, who looks like it's... Um... I mean, he's got a chance to maybe be his best offensive line since he's been here so far. Is is that the easy answer where they've been better than most thought that they would be after a 3-0 start here? That's a good answer. I, I, maybe it is easy, but maybe it's easy because it's a good answer and they have been solid up front so far. And certainly, you know, you watch the way they played against Iowa and especially that 99-yard oh. touchdown drive where they just kind of imposed their will there. And that's pretty good indication of what they can do and will only get stronger if slash win Jake Rumsberg returns i think uh, for me the defensive backfield maybe has been a little bit better than i expected as because you get anthony johnson moving positions you knew he was going to be good no matter where he plays but that left you know four uh cornerback spots with no returning starter and you had a bunch of guys well you didn't tampa and kyle had some starting experience but you you didn't have anyone quite on anthony johnson's level 
but Miles Purchase has really stepped up. Yeah, Aaron Porter's done some good things. You know, you got TJ Tampa and Tavon Kyle back there too. Um, and so that that kind of that four player rotation at the at the cornerback slot is, I think, worked out better than expected for Iowa State. I know their coaches. Uh, we're feeling pretty good about it, but coaches always feel good about their position group. So uh, you don't really know until you see them on the field. And I've been impressed by, by what I've seen from the defensive backfield overall and the cornerbacks in particular. So special teams could have come up in a big negative way, of course, in the game against Iowa, two punt blocks. Where are we at right now special teams ways with this Iowa State team? It's been something of a bugaboo for the program under Matt Campbell. Where do they think they are in a game that certainly looks like a coin flip type of game against Baylor very well could come down to special teams? Yeah, when the question came up yesterday for Campbell, he kind of just pointed to the youth of the team. I mean, the place kicker, the punter, they're the guy, they're, they're very young. I'm not sure if that completely answers the question, though, because Connor Guest, the long snapper, has been around for a while. But some of these other guys, I mean, they're not shy about putting good players, you know, starter players on the, the special teams to try to shore that up. They've still given up a couple of pump blocks and a, a field goal block. So there's still some work to do there. Uh, I found it interesting uh, last week when looking back at the pump blocks against Iowa, Matt Campbell basically blamed execution, which is kind of like saying it's a diplomatic way of saying it's player's fault. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he did. I don't think he wants to pile on those guys, but he said, we feel good about the scheme. We feel good about the game plan. We just got to execute better. Well, that, that to me says the players got to do their job. And the, it's okay to say that once in a while. I mean, it, it kind of if you say it the wrong way, it sounds like you're throwing your guys under the bus, but the way he said it, it's like, yeah, uh, you got to execute. You got to get the job. You got to block better. And, and I think that's what comes down to it with those, those blocked kicks so far. It's just a matter of blocking better, executing better to get that job done and prevent a potentially disastrous situation in the special team. Uh, were you surprised that, uh, that both of the backup quarterbacks had playing time? Uh, that they find a way, yeah, Beck came in, but, uh, but Ashton Cook at the end was able to get, come in and you know, get his first experience. Maybe a little bit surprised just because the change, I thought, maybe kind of came a little later than I would have expected with Hunter Decker sticking through about halfway through the fourth quarter, I think it was. But Rocco Beck was able to get out there for a couple of uh, series, Ashton Cook, and I'm sure they wanted to get Cook in at some point just to get some game film on him and and, uh, evaluate how he performed. And I I thought he performed pretty well. That competition between Beck and Cook might be – maybe closer than I thought mm-hmm. for the backup slot, just based on the fact that they went with Beck in the opener as the, the mop-up guy, and they went to him first again against Ohio. But they got Cook in there, and he throws a pretty nice ball, uh, as does Beck. Uh, Beck hasn't completed the pass yet, uh, but uh, that's not entirely his fault because some circumstances haven't uh, uh, worked out for him uh, in that regard. But uh, both those guys can sling it a little bit, and, and if, if Deckers uh, would go down, I would imagine Beck would be the first guy uh, off the bench still. But – you know, Cook showed that, uh, that he can do some things. He's got a little bit bigger frame than Beck, and maybe that works to his advantage in, in some ways as well. So uh, we'll wait to see exactly. And, and, you know, if you're an Iowa State fan, you don't hope to see it in a situation where Decker is, is maybe hurt. But um, it would be interesting to see if they if they get into a situation where it's a blowout or if uh, there's a situation where Decker has to come out of the game, uh, who goes in there. I would imagine to be Beck uh, initially, but uh, I, at this point now, I wouldn't be totally surprised if it's Cook. You ready to get a condo in Sidetown? What can you hmm. tell us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure rent uh, on those will be uh, really affordable. <laughs> right. uh, so the deal is with, with that, this, this whole Sidetown development that got rolled out re- really in earnest this week. I mean, it was introduced about three years ago initially. But, uh, yeah, there's a there's a residential component. They call them Sidetown Suites. 
They got one and two bedroom apartments. You got to make a donation first. Really? The opportunity. Then you have to sign a 10 year lease. Oh my God. I don't have that in the budget right now. So I'm going to take a pass, but that's, that is a big source of revenue. Holy they're counting mackerel. on. Yeah. When it comes to uh, that whole project. So, so let me get this straight in order to rent a place there, you've got to make a donation to the athletic department. Then you have to sign not a one-year lease, but a 10-year lease. I've never heard of such a thing. But on the you know, the upside is utilities are included. It's fully free. Well, there you so go. You got that going for you. I guess that maybe offsets some of the cost. Yeah, this was not designed for uh, rank-and-file uh, folks here. <laughs> well, it looks like it's going to be really cool when it's done. I mean, if it mm-hmm. comes close to living up to the drawings, um, I understand why they're excited over there. I did talk to somebody in the construction industry yeah. uh, the other day, and they mentioned... Are they building Southeast Polk Stadium? They mentioned <laughs> that $200 billion price tag that was uh, put there that is that is a little bit low for everything really? that is in the renderings, yes. Well, the, the $200 million number is their projected revenue from a combination of what they'll collect in terms of leases and rents and all that mm-hmm. and donations. So it's about 75% uh, of that. And this is spread out. This is $200 million across 20 years. So we we're talking about $10 million a year. Um, and it's it's... Seventy-five percent of that comes from the leases and the rentals and all that, and another the other quarter comes from uh, donations and other fundraising. So um, I don't know. I'm no expert on on these things. I'm sure they wouldn't come out here with it in this full, you know, bore this full court press, so to speak, for this this project that they didn't feel confident that they were going to reach that that benchmark. When will it all be done, Dave? Any idea? What when would they like it to be? You know, fully functional. That there's everything's open, not uh, you know, pardon our dust type of thing. They're ready to go. Yeah. Well, uh, the the optimistic projection is that the parking lot area that needs to be redone first, along with some infrastructure uh, utility upgrades in that area to to accommodate that construction, will be into summer 2024 before that's done. It could even go into 2025. Uh, before that is completed, depending on how all that plays out. But Jamie Pollard, I think it was mentioned in in the press conference Monday that you should see buildings at least start to go up during the 2025 year. And uh, so I imagine by fall of 2025, uh, you'll be able to at least go to some kind of space gathering, whether it be gathering space or uh, a bar restaurant or or something along those lines. You'll you'll see the first thing they want to get done is is the medical component. Uh, so maybe that would be the first thing you see get done there when it comes to uh, at the latest fall of 2025, if everything goes according to plan. Certainly an ambitious project. Anxious to see how it comes to fruition. Dave Sproul, thanks for that. Appreciate it as always. Uh, we will uh, talk with you next week, Dave. Thanks for doing this. Yep. Thanks, guys. Yep. Good to hear from you. Dave Sproul, 1430 KASI and part of the Learfield Network. Um Ten-year lease. Ten-year lease. Wonder what's so what do they ding you month on top of that? Oh, that's a great question. It's not going to be cheap. A couple grand. Oh, I would say maybe north of that. Now probably fully furnished, ready to go. So retirees. Yeah, but if you're true, but, but if you've got that much money to to, to do, do, you want it fully furnished? Don't you want your own stuff? Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, maybe it's just your place during football season. Well, here's the thing. It's not like you know the the snowbirds. You want to be there during football and basketball season. Right. Are we going to have inverse snowbirds? They come here? Right. <laughs> and then they go to Toronto for the summer? What's going on? Oof.
Uh, anyways, well, um, good and glad we brought that up because I really we haven't really spoke about that uh, at, at all. But it's it's a big project. Mm-hmm. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. We're going to talk Iowa to kick off hour number two with David Eicholt, Kansas City Chiefs. Mitch Holtis joins us every Wednesday. He's here at eleven thirty. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point eight hundred bets off. Couple of minutes here. First hour, we're here until noon. Real quick, Trent, since uh, we haven't spoken about this, uh, it is your favorite sport. It's college basketball, and uh, the news that the NBA is about to be done with the one and done requirement mm-hmm. uh, that kids are going to be able to go straight from high school into the NBA. What uh, what does that do to you? Um, hopefully, it continues to improve the sport. You know, the guys that really have no intention of being there, you, weed them out. Do you want them gone? The one and doneers. I don't think it's hurt. I really don't. No. And college basketball is evolving in a way where you see the Oscar Toshibwes of the world. Because of the money. Sticking around. Mm-hmm. Look at North Carolina and what they have mm-hmm. returning. Mm-hmm. You have these elements now for those fringe guys go off, make a go of it in the G League and make $50,000, go overseas, make some money, or... Stay in school and make six figures. Stay in a place that you probably really enjoy, right. make good money. Uh-huh. And play basketball where you're seeing on ESPN, when you're seeing on Vox, and you're, you're instead of being the twelfth man at the end of the bench. Right. It's not a bad. And that's deal. not the case for all of them. Don't no, worry. absolutely not. But I think college basketball is evolving in a positive direction because of NIL. I think NIL might help the sport in a way because those guys stick around. Luca Garza, if NIL was firmly in place, would he have stuck around for another yes, year? Yes, I'm, I'm convinced he would have. Caitlin Clark, she's going to get a fifth year if she wants because of the COVID year. Mm-hmm. She's making good money, I'm mm-hmm. going to assume, mm-hmm. with Hy-Vee and her other endorsements, to get her for five years. It's good for the fans. Yeah, it's great for college basketball. Right. Great for college basketball. I think you can, you can definitely talk this into being a positive thing. The guys that don't want to be there don't have to anymore. All right, go to the league. Go to the league. Give your shot. And there's other avenues that you can go now with the two G League teams that they have with Ignite. Ignite, yeah, yeah. You can go that direction. You know what it does hurt? It, it, it there's, there'll be one class that the kids that have to stay in school for a year, mm-hmm. whatever that is, twenty three, twenty four, whatever it is. Yeah, they're going to come out. That's going to be their draft year. Yeah. but it's going to change so the high schoolers can be part of that draft too. It's going to be a stacked draft. Oh you my year. gosh! You get two years of it. They'll be all right though. They'll be all right. Just as long. Is that dope down in the SEC? Why can't I think of the commissioner's name? Sankey. You know, he's been flirting around about changing the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I know he Automatic has. Automatic going I know away. Yes. Knock he's it so off. serious about this, too. Knock it off. Yeah, don't mess with that. No. Don't please. mess with that. Find something else to mess with. Yes. This is perfect. Use your power in the college football playoff. Do what you want there. Leave the NCAA basketball tournament alone. Uh, hour two coming up. We're going to start with David Eichold, Hawkeye Insider, part of 24-7 Sports. Mitch Holtis on the Chiefs. He's here at 1130 Miller & Condon. We're here until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3.